You can now hear Movie Heaven Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favourite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favourite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to this Movie Heaven, Movie Hell podcast extra with me, Keith Isles, and tonight I'm joined by... Clive Ashenden. Welcome. Frequent guests to this podcast, you it are, seems. You are indeed, yes. You're, uh, you're filling the shoes for Simon, our other regular host who's not here today. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we are both independent filmmakers and movie enthusiasts who enjoy discussing different aspects of cinema and entertainment. And in a week where the news was full of controversy over the 89th Academy Awards, um, we thought we would bring you some news from uh, films that were happening in other areas of the planet, namely Glasgow. Yeah, and we're also here in sort of person as representatives of kind of regular fright festers, aren't we? Indeed, yes. Um, we we have been to the we are regulars for the London Fright Fest and uh, have been threatening for some time to actually attend the uh, the Glasgow uh, Fright Fest, which um, I said earlier in the year that I wanted to do, and uh, we did it. So we went there, yes. And uh, and Clive, what, what what were your thoughts on Glasgow for the venue? I, I think it was it was great. I mean, I've been. I've been going to uh, Fright Fest in London for, hmm, I think, 17 years now, something wow. like that. Um, and uh, so I've seen it grow from like a just a sort of small one-screen event to a multi-screen event in big, you know, sort of cineplexes. Um, whereas and this felt much more like old-school Fright Fest for me, how it started, where everyone watches, well, assuming you get up in time, right, after your uh, <laughs> drinks the night before, everyone watches all the same films. So, which has the benefit that if you watch, if you watch a bad film together, then you have that communal thing of you can trash it afterwards, you can talk about it, you can, or you can sort of just sort of, it, it just lifts that, that experience. Whereas often if at the bigger Fright Fest, if you watch a bad film, you know that there's two other films that screen at the same time and you're like, ah, oh, I probably made the bad choice there. And obviously yeah. you come out and people are talking about, oh, that was the film of the festival. It's my favourite so far. It's just that sort of, you know, <laughs> yeah, that 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 thing. But um, so this had that, and also I think it was it was a pretty strong lineup of films as well. Yeah, no, I I think so. I mean, um, obviously uh, apart from the uh, regular fright fest hosts uh, that were there. Uh, we did see some of our um, friends. We saw uh, Jason B- uh, Bourne and uh, Jason Finn 
um, were also in attendance, but I don't think any of the other regular London guys that we know were actually there. I didn't recognise well, anyone there, else. There, there were there were a few people I that I knew. I mean, uh, Christine and oh and yes, so, yeah. sorry, yes, I forgot to mention that. Yes, of course, Christine with the red hair. How can we forget? Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, there were some familiar, there were some familiar faces. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's sort of a nice sort of homey event, and it's it's kind of housed under the umbrella of the Glasgow Film Festival. Uh, which was good because we we got there early and we got to see a film before the festival. You know, because hey, watching what uh, <laughs> <laughs> over a, over a dozen films in a short period of time is uh, nowhere near enough. It's not near, not enough. Oh, exactly. You know, uh, so so we we had to we had to fit one more in, didn't we? Mm. We did, which was uh, which I'm glad we did. I was glad we were able to fit it in. It was. Um, a film I didn't really know too much about prior to seeing, which is which is often the way I enjoy films the most. So, uh, yes, indeed. It yeah. So before we get into the horror, uh, maybe we should, uh, sort of mention that we we saw Free Fire, which is the new film from uh, Ben Wheatley, who I guess is a Frightfest alumni because yeah. uh, you know uh, Kill List uh, played there, and uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a it's kind of really fascinating sort of 70s set crime uh, drama that's really profane, really funny, uh, and sort of touch, uh, apart from those sort of touchstones of sort of 70s American crime cinema, it sort of has that almost sort of a Reservoir Dogs feel because yeah. most of the action takes place in a, in, in a warehouse. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is very much, um, you know, kind of like a real-time experience um you, you know that like you said takes place in that one confined location and uh you know has some real character stuff going on um i i actually really enjoyed it i mean but ben ben wheatley's one of those directors that even though i'm massively impressed with what he's achieved i i do sometimes th- think he's slightly overrated um but you, you know for me this was this was a very strong piece of work that came from him and uh you know, right up there, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to avoid spoilers for this podcast because because yes. <laughs> uh, most of the films we're talking about are, are are you know previews or they were premiered there, so we're going to keep it as spoiler light as we can. Yes. So we won't talk about how this film develops or or indeed the other ones, uh, but just to say that uh, it is uh, it's quite a bloody and violent film, and I think I'm it spoiling is. anything by saying that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I've I've got a lot more time for Ben Wheatley than you have. I think I, I've I I, I, I I like his kind of more surreal and ex, let's say experimental films, uh, as well as his kind of you know like I guess more mainstream type efforts. If you get yeah. has he really done that? That's mm, yeah. Is he? I'm not sure if you'd call him a mainstream director, but hey, no, he's uh, good. I'm just jealous. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> this is solidly like a genre piece. Uh, so I think it's gonna it's gonna break through in a big way, and it's got some really big name actors in there as well. So, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely, it is. It is good. Um, as I said, it will be out. I guess they they said it was out very soon, didn't they? And uh, well worth checking out. But yes, we will indeed endeavour for once, not something we normally do on Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, but we will try uh, you know, and avoid spoilers wherever we can, because as you've rightly said, mo- most of these films have not yet been released. So absolutely. And it all started that night uh, following that, didn't it? Where we had um, two double, films double on the, bill. A double bill, yes. We, we got to see... Uh, 
a cure for wellness, um, which I believe is out now. It's out now in the in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean that. I mean that was literally like a preview, just a few, uh, like a matter of a week before it came out uh, proper. Uh, then you sort of return to uh, horror for uh, director Gorbavinsky, who of course famously did the remake of The Ring, mm-hmm. the US remake, um, and then. Um, Made the, all those little indie those movies, bloody about pirates, pirates films, yes, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which Mark Commode loves so much, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this was. Um, I thought it was. I, I found it enjoyable. The experience of watching it enjoyable. It is kind of Shutter Island meets Misery, um, you know, and it, it obviously it is quite aimed at a mainstream audience etc uh if i had to criticize the film i just thought it was it was just too long because it was about two and a half hours wasn't it i think something like that well imdb lists the running time is two hours 26 minutes there you go and if i'm honest it felt longer than that to me (laughs) i mean i i enjoyed this film less than you did right I, i i think that's safe to say um I mean, it's a, it's an it's a very well crafted movie. There are some very effective sequences. I mean, there was one which I found quite squirm inducing, but uh, but that's more because of a slight phobia I have rather than anything else. But then it, it's 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 a shame because I feel like if the if he if this had been compressed down into ninety to one hundred minutes. Then this could have been like really good, um, and it, it sort of it, it goes to a very sort of campy gothic place, which I don't mind because <laughs> uh, hey, I like horror movies. Yeah. But it could have been something like a sort of Legend of Hell House, where it where it just gets so kind of operatic and overblown. You know, uh, it starts off sort of creepy and then goes crazy. It could have done that, and it was trying to do that, but it's just. It it was just sort of wallowed so long in its sort of set pieces, and also I, I don't personally I, I don't find eels that scary. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, it, it was definitely over long. Um, so I agree with you. I think had it been a bit more condensed down, it would have worked better. Um, and it was absolutely filled with horror references from from other movies. I mean, yeah, you, you horror, know. horror, yeah, horror tropes, horror. Yeah, it, it's it's full of like hoary old sort of cliches. Uh, I mean, but some of which I enjoy. I I put my hand up and say, you know, you know, uh, hey, hello to Jason Isaacs, you know, who oh, who, who plays the uh, the sort of the creepy uh, <laughs> the, the creepy doctor who, who runs the. Uh, Swiss clinic where all the action takes place because this is sort of there's there's a kind of plot where this sort of uh, young hot shot business uh, man played by Dane DeHaan has to go in and try and extricate this chairman of the one of this sort of chairman of the board isn't he yeah. this yeah. company from from this uh, this you know, ostensibly kind of uh, health resort in the Swiss Alps. Yeah, I mean, it's got this kind of evil corporate empire uh, thing going on in it, which, which you know, is quite interesting. But, uh, yes, it's, it's uh, 
you know, I, I thought it was well made. You could see the budget was there, uh, clearly. And, um, you know, I think it was pretty well acted, you, you know, although <laughs> acted very, um, you, you know, theatrically in places, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was quite a fun ride and it was quite interesting to kick things off with. However, it was, it definitely has pacing issues. Yes. Yeah, as I say, it's a shame because if it had been shorter, then I probably because I, you know, I didn't enjoy parts of it. But anyway, for me, it's it's just way too long. You know, go and watch Shutter Island instead. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean that's I'm not a short saying, film, but that that's no, I'm not saying it's as good as Shutter Island, but I just felt that it had some some influence in there from from Shutter Island. Clearly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so. Just a bit, just a bit. So. um Following that, we got to see the Bad Robot remastered version of Phantasm, um, which I have to admit is one of those cult series of horror films that for some reason or another, I've managed to never see. <laughs> so I was a complete... Absolutely shocking, isn't it? But hey, if you're going to watch... If you're going to watch Phantasm for the first time, well, ideally, the best the best way to watch Phantasm for the first time... It's on a grainy VHS when you're 12 years old, I think. I think so, yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, it's ne- it, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's the second time I've re-watched, the, uh, I've watched the, the remastered version. And, yeah, I mean, it's a beautifully shot movie. Um, I, I, I love the score to this, mm-hmm. uh, to the, to this as well. Um, and it has, it, it's, it's kind of, it's got a dream logic I've heard it kind of com- almost compared to like American Argento mm-hmm. because it's sort of it's not all that concerned with making a hundred percent sense. <laughs> Certainly not. No, I, I, from my understanding, and as I said, I may now go and watch the rest of the franchise. And I believe there was a uh, a final chapter that was actually released this year or last year. Yeah, uh, uh, Ravager. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I believe it does give a lot more sort of backstory and explanation to a lot of the things in this, which, which did leave me thinking, uh, what's all that about? You know? Yeah. uh... Part two, which is the (laughs) one with the, with the biggest budget, it does fill in, it is much more a straight head action movie with, with phantasm elements, if you see what I mean. Right. And then it, and it sort of develops in an interesting way, I think for a, for a horror franchise. But that first one, it still has moments. I mean, and Angus Grimm as the tall man, you know, it's oh, it's just one of those horror icons. Hell. Yeah, and no. the idea of the of the shiny balls of death is, yeah, and you, and, you know, just that would it would be it would be enough to make it memorable. But then you throw in <laughs> you throw in the midgets and all the other stuff, and yeah, yeah, it's, no, it, it's it's. It's certainly a memorable movie, right? It is, yeah. No, I'm absolutely. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, it's good that J.J. Abrams is a is a fan and got to you know clean this up and uh, and put it out there for a new audience. The the only thing I will say is I think that what I don't have with it is is the sort of nostalgia factor that you're talking about. That I think had I watched it when I was twelve, you know, on on a VHS. I'd have probably, um, you know, it would hold that special place 
in my heart today, like like many films that I yeah, talk about. Yeah, on I mean, well, I, I didn't help. first watch it when I was twelve. Right, I, I came to it slightly later, but but you know, I, I do. I, I I guess it it makes me perhaps nostalgic for for a sort of certain era of horror movies mm. more than anything. Um, well, it's very of its time. I I will nineteen seventy nine and yeah, not just the sort of the fashions, but the. Uh, attitude to sex and nudity and things like that so yeah it's it's definitely of its time yes but it was it was fun it was an enjoyable ride and um i'm glad to have uh if you like got initiated now into the uh into the phantasm franchise and no doubt i will be checking out more chapters of that as time goes on so um but that got us through night one which uh was quite a late night um and then we went into day two, which started with a film, interestingly, that wasn't actually a horror film. Yeah, well, <laughs> you find this uh, with Fright Fest, and I know that some some Fright Festers, this annoys them, because it's like, you know, go to Fright Fest for horror movies, but horror is a broad church, um, uh, not as in the series broadcast, but uh, it, it's you know there's there, there's lots of you know there's lots of different types of horror from you know your sort of hardcore sort of splattery extreme stuff to more psychological to ghost stories to you know name your subgenre right um, and fantasy horror is one of them definitely you know as are monster movies and we'll come on to that later right. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, I mean, this has creatures in it. Uh, this is more like a sort of rate. It, it wants to be, it desperately wants to be a sort of Monday Ray Harryhausen type movie, doesn't it? Yes. You know, sort of that sort of light Sunday matinee um, feel, something for the kids uh, where there's some action, some daring do and, uh, well, and a, and a, and a and a, t and a teen hero you can get behind, you know, and it's. And I guess it ticked those boxes, to be fair. Um, but I know a lot of people, a lot of the audience reaction on this one wasn't so good, was it? Even though, uh, you know, we had the filmmaker present, right? At the yeah, yeah. Uh, it's directed by uh, Matthias Hone. Uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right there. Um, who who previously directed Cockneys vs Zombies, which I which I enjoyed, <laughs> James Moran Penn's uh, movie, um, and also Beyond the Rave, which was Hammer's uh, first comeback movie after you know sort of just being dissolved for several for for many decades right. know, after the seventies, um, yeah. And this is not at all like Cockneys versus Zombies. No, um, it's sort of it's produced by sort of by Luke Besson and co-written by Luke Besson and Robert Mark Heyman. Mm -hmm. So hey, it's the writing team behind the Taken movies making your kids thing. Mm. So you're you're thinking, well, maybe it's it'll have a bit of bite to it. But no, this is this is a film where people get stabbed uh, by swords and things, and there's no blood. There's nothing. No, like that is you know very family friendly um and interesting because obviously Luke Besson hired this director to do this based on the fact that he he was a fan of the um Cockneys versus, versus Zombies movie which is uh 
you know, amazing. Just goes to show if the right person sees something, it can it can open doors because this this guy clearly had a blast making this. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I mean, he was in the Q and A was talking about how uh, uh, Luke liked that the sort of mixture of like horror and action and and more comedy because he wanted to, he wanted it to be light and it's light. It's not a funny movie. Um, it it leans very heavily on sort of '80s sort of kids movies, um, you know things like Goonies and stuff like that. Yep. Maybe um, or you know Never Ending Story, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, or Karate Kid. Definitely, I can say definitely yes, yes. Um, so it start it it starts off you know very briefly because <laughs> we won't because quite frankly this film isn't worth talking about for a long time. Um, <laughs> It's it start it starts off in what's supposed to be the modern day, but is in this sort of weird, sort of nether Californian yeah town sort of eighties feeling California, even though it's present day yeah, yeah and uh, and you've got this you got you got a single mom a single mom and and a, a, a teen son moved to moved to this new town um, and he's helping out this uh, this uh, Chinese businessman who's apparently. Uh, who deals in antiquities and and he gives him this pot yeah uh, uh, and wait which turns out to be this sort of portal to other, other dimensions, dimensions yeah. or other times it's a bit vague um and what happens is that our our hero ends up getting transported to help rescue a princess or or protect a princess yeah um into this sort of fantasy realm. Well, initially she comes through and experiences, uh, you know, montage of, of mall Going culture. Going to the shopping mall. It yeah. feels, <laughs> which feels like something that you, you, you know, out of the eighties or nineties, you know, it does feel really odd. Um, you know, but fun. I mean, it's, it's a fun light film. It's different. It I can't get too upset about it because it's just, it, it's kind of, it, it's, you know, it, it keeps it fun. There's, there's some BMX chases. I mean, that's how eighties it is, and then the actiony stuff with with the kung fu, you know, it's it's fine. It's fine. It, it's just very very yeah family it's, it's family just, friendly. I, I I wish there was a bit more, either a bit more kind of verve to the action, or that there was. It, it feels it feels a bit sort of cut and paste. You know, it's a shame that like no one who as a real understanding of, of sort of those sort of, you know, the Japanese samurai movies or the, you know, uh, I mean, it's, or, 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 you know, Hong Kong action cinema is more involved in it, you know, mm. I mean, cause this, I mean, this is quite obviously a cynical attempt to kind of get the Chinese, you know, uh, you know, massive film market. Right. Yeah. Know? to cross over and it and it was one of the first western films to film over there so mm-hmm. i mean it sounds like an amazing experience making the film the film itself sadly for me wasn't that memorable no. i mean perhaps if you're watching this and you are the target audience because let's face it we're not mm-hmm. by a long chalk um then you know maybe maybe it's fun yeah. you know i mean i kind of measure films nowadays i mean obviously the more we end up watching, uh, you know, as time goes on, the easier it is to forget things. And um, I always look at something as to whether it's going to be memorable. And uh, 
pro probably not for me this one. Uh, although I didn't, I didn't have a bad time watching it at the time. Certainly enjoyed it more than some of the people there at Fright Fest. But, uh, but yeah, but I, 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 I thought the story behind the film in the Q and A with the with the director was actually more interesting than the film, <laughs> which is probably not a good thing. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. But then we are on to horror proper. Proper horror, yes, indeed. <laughs> With uh, It Stains the Sand Red. <laughs> it Stains the Sands Red, yeah. It is, I mean, which is, I love that title. I have to yeah, say. I think yeah. it's a great title. You know, uh, so the question is oh, a zombie movie, just how fresh can a new zombie movie be? Uh, we've seen every iteration. But no, this does actually manage to do something that we've not seen before. Mm. Yeah, I have to say this is one that won me over as it as it went along. Um, if I'm really honest, when it started, like the first ten or fifteen minutes, I was thinking to myself, "Oh my god, this is awful!" Uh, you know, this is going to be a sufferable film. Okay. However, um, I was completely wrong. Uh, it actually engaged me after that and completely won me over so um i actually thought this was a very fun film and i think the reaction seemed to be that most people enjoyed this one i think yeah yeah it's um i, I think that the opening it did uh, I, much like you i think my, my reaction was very similar that in the in that sort of opening 20 minutes it sort of it relies a bit too much on char characters doing stupid things yes. in order to move the plot forward, or doing things because and, and you're sort of groaning and going, oh, this is just you know it feels like oh it's this horror trope, it's this, and and the people involved don't feel like real characters. Mm -hmm. They feel you know it's like oh it's the stripper from Vegas and the sort of gangstery type guy she's with. And they're they're in the fast car and they're trying to get out away from the zombie apocalypse, which has hit Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, so they're in the desert and they get stranded with their car and then and and a zombie attacks. And then where it goes from there is was unexpected. Yeah, you know that was. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, <laughs> which is hard to talk about without spoilers. Exactly. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, there there is particularly. A scene where, which is, I think, is this sort of turning scene where it's like, oh, I've not seen that in a in a in a uh, movie before, uh, and and then after that, it's like, okay, I genuinely don't know where this is going, and then it does go in a surprising direction. You yeah. know, uh, there's a really nice arc for the for the central heroine who starts off being a not terribly sympathetic character, but then you grow to know more about her and how she's got there, and then. She, through this sort of experience, kind of, you know, going through, going through the crucible, she she gets to she gets to make a choice, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, I, I know I know some people have, and again, I can't say too much without spoiling it. But some people I know in the audience that I was speaking to had a problem with some of the events that made her become this strong female character that they felt was a bit unnecessary for her to get to that stage but uh, you really need to watch the movie to to find out what I mean there because uh, as I said it would be a major spoiler for me to say what happens <laughs> but, 
but I know I know some people have that as a criticism of this. Um, you, you know, people I spoke to actually at the at the Fright Fest event. Um, but again, this was another one where we had the filmmakers present, and um, you, you know, quite an interesting story. Uh, you, you know, behind the making of this, it was kind of a um, well, again, it was it was a couple working together. I, I often think in film, I often think the key to a lot of successful films is a um, a partnership of some type. And, uh, you know, I've often cited like the sort of Deborah Hill, John Carpenter or Gail Ann Hurd, um, you know, James Cameron type relationships. And uh, obviously there's there's also the, the, the Nolans uh, have those relationships with their you know where their wives are involved and Robert Downey Jr. and his wife and and you know there's there's a lot of those sort of you know Zack Snyder and his missus you know there's 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 a lot of those partnerships and uh, um, sometimes they seem quite successful and and this was the case where the actress was also um, producer and the director was the writer yeah and they sort of teamed up and and, and made this pretty low budget right well yeah he's, he's the co-writer of the film uh colin minahan um i guess best known for doing grave encounters uh but also extraterrestrial i don't think i don't think i've seen either of those honestly i've but, seen extraterrestrial yes right. it was it was okay it wasn't amazing but it was okay <laughs> but yeah no i mean this seeing this did make me want to check them out you mm. know um yeah, I mean, I, I, I know what you mean about about that one event, but I, 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 I thought in the world of the film, you know, it wasn't, yeah, it made sense, and it wasn't, it didn't feel gratuitous to me, but in, sure. in, in the in the run of it, but yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, but it's 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 definitely worth checking out. It was an entertaining film. Um, and I think, you know, certainly after that, after starting off that day with a film that wasn't, you know, particularly a horror film, this one really got the audience going, didn't it? Because, because oh, yeah, there's, this absolutely there, uh, there's, there's some proper <laughs> blood in this movie. There's no, that's not really a spoiler to say. No, it? no, not at all. As you'd expect. <laughs> so next on the agenda was, uh, oh, again, a very interesting film, The Transfiguration. Which, uh, hmm, I, I really enjoyed this one. I have to say, again, I was taken by surprise a bit with it. Um, I thought I was going to be bored senseless when it started, but uh, it was actually one of those films that I think really worked. And again, it was, um, uh, you, you know, it was it was a very interesting story to hear from from the filmmaker afterwards as well. But uh, I thought this was a strong film. Yeah, this is the uh, uh, debut feature of writer-director Michael O'Shea, um, and it's it's a kind of it's it's a tale of a sort of uh, of a of a young uh, teenage uh, black protagonist sort of living in uh, which which city is it? It is New York, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like suburb suburbs of New yeah, York. Suburbs of New York, um, and. Uh, you know, with his uh, with his uh, his elder brother, because uh, his his mother's died, he never really knew his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we we discover that he believes himself to be a vampire. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, 
uh, yeah, it's quite a. I mean, it it reference it does reference in the movie vampire movies because the the kids thing is uh, you know he watches vampire movies and you know to see what the sort of cinematic mythology of vampires is compared to what real life actually is for this kid. Which yeah, is quite and, and, interesting. He, and he has these rather entertaining conversations with... Uh, he, he strikes up a, a strange relationship with one of his... Uh, with a, a young girl who's his neighbour. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is part of their sort of... What becomes a courtship? Uh, friendship, courtship. Uh, you know, he, he sort of initiates her into the world of vampire movies... Mm-hmm. And it start and, and and his and he views them through the through the lens of how realistic is this movie, you know, and and it's it's no accident that one of the movies that he references is Martin, mm-hmm. the George A. Romero uh, movie, because this feels this is very much like Martin, yeah, um, only obviously updated, um, and, and a little bit let the right one in. In some respects, it's got a bit of yeah. Bit a, of another movie it references. It's it's very it's very cinematically uh, literate. This this movie, and it, it's uh, in terms of the sort of aesthetic of it though. It is it's like an indie. It, it's, it feels like that sort of U.S. indie film. It's very the performances are very naturalistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite a slow burn. Um, if you're looking for kind of sort of thrills and spills. Uh, and scares. It's not that kind of film. It's no. about sort of creepy build up. It's about character more than anything else. It's a character piece. Yeah, it does. It does. It feels like an art house movie, but with the with the theme and the backdrop of of a vampire movie. And um, uh, you know, I, I thought again. You know, this this was done on an incredibly mo- modest budget, and I thought it was I thought it was done really well because it was well written. And it was very well performed. I mean, the young actor that was in this, the young actors that, that played these parts were, were I think, very, very good, um, very strong. And the thing that I also found quite inspiring, actually, was um, for once, uh, you know, this was, this was a debut of this first-time filmmaker, but for once it wasn't someone in their 20s. He was actually, um, you, you, know, you know, a slightly older guy that had been a, you know, a fan of, of, of horror, um, you know, for years. I mean, for he was saying he's been writing sort of horror stuff for in excess of 20 years. And he actually made a, um, a short film as a sort of test pilot for this, didn't he? To, in order to obtain crowdfunding to actually get yeah, yeah, it was, feature it was essentially an extended version of the opening scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's not in case you thought I was spoiling the film by saying he's a vampire. It's not like a big reveal. No. We, we get it in the first scene. We see him drinking blood. Yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. That's 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 kind of uh, definitely not a spoiler. You, you know. Um. That's that's we're in that world from from the very start. And uh, but you know it was really encouraging to see this guy who was massively passionate about this and put a lot into it. And. Um, you know, like like I said, was wasn't wasn't twenty two years old or anything. So um, you know, it just shows you it's never too late. <laughs> which which is good, which keeps us all going, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, Keith, one of the things I like about about festivals like Fright Fest um, is is the contrasts. Yes. Right. Because you know, 
you go for it, it's like you know you go from something like the transfiguration this sort of you know naturalistic indie movie to shin godzilla <laughs> aka shin gojira <laughs> yes which you know couldn't be more different it couldn't no um it, it now this again this was very this was very different to what i was expecting i have to say because i was expecting it to be less serious than this film has actually taken. Um, meaning, yeah, I, I was surprised that it became kind of a political disaster movie as much as it is a monster movie, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, it sort of, I guess it depends which era of Godzilla movies that you're familiar with, right? right. Or if you grew up watching the Godzilla cartoon with Godzuki, <laughs> or, you know... Um, the you know, but certainly the original nineteen fifty four uh, Godzilla. I think I'm right in saying fifty four uh, was a very serious kind of you know anti atomic movie. You know, which dealt very much with you know this sort of Japanese trauma over you know the bombings at, at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, and this deals with kind of different sort of contemporary sort of. Uh, anxieties, I guess, um, but it 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 it's definitely a much more satirical movie than I was expecting. I think mm. uh, there is a humour in there, but it's very sort of satirical and sly. It's more yeah. like a kind of you know uh, Paul Verhoeven movie type yes. sort of satire, social you know? social commentary almost. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh... As, as I said, it deals a lot with the politics of, of, of dealing with a disaster. And one of the things I wasn't quite as prepared for, though, is, man, because there's a lot of dialogue in this, so there are a lot of subtitles to, to read, because it's not only subtitles with all of the sort of overlapping meetings and dialogue going on there, but, of course, because it deals with different locations and different characters, you have a lot of... Um, uh, you know, um, captions of who this is, what their role is in the government and where we are. So you're often reading stuff at the bottom of the screen and at the top of the screen at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's sort of, it, it's the setup is is almost like, you know, trying to play this as though what would happen if if Godzilla actually did become a thing and come out and, uh, of the water and start attacking Tokyo what would happen you know it, it, you know uh, would, would it be the heroic response of, of, of immediate, you know immediate sort of you know them going out and uh, and trying to stop Godzilla right like the American Godzilla <laughs> or would there be endless intractable sort of uh, meetings uh, of government officials which is what we get in this yeah. It, 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 I, I, after the the first half an hour, I was thinking, is this is this not Godzilla? This is like uh, you know, this is sort of board meetings, the movie. Yeah. Um, because it's like like that. I mean, the whole to the point where it it, it becomes a joke. Like they have a meeting to see who's going to go to the next meeting. You know, it's it's sort of it, in the meantime, like people are dying. You know, but it's. Or, or, or like large areas of real estate are being yeah. totaled, you know, it, while it, they're it, trying to figure the bu- out what to tell the press. The bureaucracy of democracy, literally, isn't it, this movie? It's, it's uh, 
you're right, there are endless meetings, which, as I said, are taken very seriously and played seriously and realistically. But like you said, but with that excellent satirical edge to it as well. And um, uh, and I have to say, when you first see the creature itself, it oh, yeah, just We looks... have to be careful of spoilers. I here, suppose I we do. But yes. Let's just say that the... It evolves. The, 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 <laughs> The appearance of Godzilla in this movie is bound to be controversial, and it certainly was with, with our viewing audience, right? <laughs> I mean, it, uh, yeah, the, the the look of Godzilla changes over the course of the movie. I think we can say yes, that without yeah. it being a massive spoiler. But the initial the, the initial reveal of Godzilla is is it's, hilarious. It's laughable. Yeah, it really um, is. I was like, what the hell? Especially after coming out of all these serious boardroom scenes and, you know, government scenes, etc., to suddenly seeing what we see. But yes, I suppose if I say too much more, it will be a massive yeah. spoiler. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not, as far as I know, a guy in a suit. No. But uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very strange. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it sort of makes of, sense in the context of the film. No, it, it does. It? It, it does, and and they have thought that there's reasons for the design. There's reasons for Godzilla's behaviour. Um, you know, it it's it does it all add up in the end. You know, and I, and I think you know the end is it, 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 we do eventually get to action. Mm-hmm. It just it takes a longer while to get there than I was expecting, I have to say. And do you think, I mean, I don't know, I've not read enough about it, but was this film prompted because of the success of the Hollywood remake of it, that they, they decided to, um, you know, reboot it as well for, for that audience? I don't know, but, but you know, after the uh, sort of Matthew Broderick starring uh, Hollywood Eyes remake, which came before the Gareth Edwards <laughs> one, right? Um, you know, which we prefer not to talk about. That is a truly poor film. Um, but you know, they did not stop. Uh, they didn't didn't stop Japanese studios continuing to make new iterations of Godzilla. So I don't see why you'd expect an American version to stop them making new Godzilla movies. Nice. No, I mean, themselves. So yeah, it's good. And this this you know. I mean, it was entertaining, wasn't it? It was an entertaining romp. I, th- I could have done with it being a bit it shorter was sh- I was and say again, a few it was less, long. and then maybe cutting a couple of the, of the meetings. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> there were a few too many board meetings, and uh, yeah, the film did go on a little bit longer than than it needed to. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a strange. It, initially, the sort of political uh, bit of the thrust of the film seems to be. How difficult it is to get anything done in a in a democracy, in a modern democracy, because of the sheer levels of bureaucracy involved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of. I'll be careful talking about the ending here, but it does shift into be a, a much more sort of nationalistically triumph triumphal uh, film in terms of people coming together to work against uh, you know invaders, yes. right? Yeah. So it's. Yeah, it, it, I have to say it was a lot. Even though, of course, it is a monster movie at its heart, but there was a lot less of that than I was expecting. I don't know whether you know that's that's fair to say, but uh... I think I think it's fair to say. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah. I mean, if you compare it to the Gareth Edwards recent movie, there you have the sort of subplots are the sort of are, are kind of soapy 
style sort of family dynamics, right? Yeah. Um, or sort of science-y, let's try and figure out how to get how to beat him. Plus, mm -hmm. and we do get we we do get science-y subplot in this as well. Um, but again, it sort of seems to mainly evolve around about people around people having meetings uh, and presenting research. Um, which is less cinematic, uh, you know, than people running, uh, you know, to uh, to reactors and stuff like that. But <laughs> yes. but then I don't know. Maybe that just makes it feel slightly fresher and maybe more real because they were going for a sort of reportage style feel, at least initially. Um, yeah, it's I, I I didn't love this movie, but I had a lot of fun with it in parts. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's if you if you I mean if you're a Godzilla movie fan, you're gonna go out and see it anyway. Yes. But um, yeah, it's it, it, uh, otherwise I'd say it's it's a bit a bit too odd a duck for sort of like a sort of generally curious movie fan. Yes, maybe. no, I agree, and and I and I know the Fright Fest team had to sort of work hard to get this as a, as, as a premiere, didn't they? Um, but. Uh, which uh, which brings us to the last film of that evening, which was Happy Hunting. You liked this one, didn't you, Clive? Not really, no. <laughs> so Happy Hunting is one of these um, uh, films where a bunch of people are sort of captured and, and, and sent out um, in the desert, in this case, for to, to, to be sort of hunted down by these the, the, this small town of uh, of yeah of, of i mean people. It, it's it's another riff on the most dangerous game you know uh you know just so we've had we have many of these you know from hard target through to well this um uh, but the sort of the sort of small southern town thing you know it made it feel a bit more like uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, I wish it was more like Ten Thousand Maniacs. Mm -hmm. God, I love that movie. Um, you know, I wish they were having more fun with the hunting, and there was a bit of that. But it generally, it was a bit sort of, it was a bit more like a Rob Zombie movie in terms of sort of, like you know, redneck stereotypes, mm. uh, sort of. Uh, you know, competing to be sort of unpleasant. You know? Yeah, I mean, there was there was nobody particularly likable in this, was there? I mean, I suppose the lead guy was was okay, but you know, he was he was again one of these sort of morally ambiguous leads, wasn't he? That had his well, own sort it of wasn't issues. so much morally ambiguous; it's just not very likable. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the, this sort of alcoholic drifter addict guy. <laughs> I'm not really, sh you know, and it was just. Yeah, I, I couldn't really like. I mean, you sort of root for him because the others are so bad. Mm -hmm. I think that's the idea, right? Um, I have to admit, it was late when we watched this, and uh, you know, I've already found it somewhat forgettable, to be honest. In terms of, uh, you know, it hasn't. There's nothing about it that's really sort of stayed with me particularly. Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of there again. There, there was a sort of couple of stabs towards satire the fact that this is what brings the community together this killing um you know which is almost a sort of wicker man idea 
Um, but it, it didn't really go anywhere that interesting for me. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. Sorry to say that, but um, yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much more we can say about it without really going into spoiler territory. So um, if we move on to the Saturday, which was the, the last day of this, and a day where I have to say uh, seven movies in the one day, um, probably one movie too many, I have to say. Uh, it, it was it, difficult. It was, that was tough. I mean, even in, you know, even for a sort of, Hardcore festival festival veteran. That's that's a big ask, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it meant that especially if you if you stayed for the Q and A's, and why wouldn't you? Um, then you got very little break in between movies. You're literally yeah. sort of nipping out <laughs> for a comfort break or or a, or a trip to Greg's or or yeah. Well, in our, our case, to local chippy for a sort of deep fried well, pizza. Well, I'm glad you, know. you brought that up before <laughs> me because I was actually going to say probably, uh, you know, one of the most horrific things of of the whole uh, horror festival, fright fest. The most frightening thing was actually Clive experiencing a deep fried pizza. Yes, it's and good. seeming to enjoy it, which I was surprised by. It's it's fun. It's what it's kind of. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what I was expecting. I think because I've heard horrible tales, uh, but you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm with the Scottish. It's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get in my belly. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, and of course, we did see lots of, I guess, somewhat horrific sights on the way home. It's uh, two o'clock in the morning as well, didn't well, we? Well, <laughs> we did, but people people were listening to this for. Film reviews. Film like, reviews. They're indeed. still with us. Indeed. Um, yeah. So let's start with the the Blair Shark Project, shall we? Right now, I have to. I'm going to defend this a little bit because this was a uh, a found footage movie called yeah. Cage Dive. Um, but I actually quite enjoyed it, and the reason I enjoyed it is a they stuck because i know a lot of people have problems with found footage movies uh, as do i when when they don't sort of stick to the the rules of found footage movies but what they did that was interesting with this is they took the found footage stuff and actually put it into like a retrospective documentary about this event that happened and um yeah i thought i i i i thought this was fun I have to say, I thought this was quite a good way to st kick off the morning. Um, you know, it, 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 it's enough to put anyone off going for a... I've never been on a... Um, I was supposed to do a, a shark cage dive on, on a trip that got cancelled, annoyingly. Um, so it's not something I've yet done. <laughs> and I have to say, watching this kind of makes you think, oh, I don't know. But I mean, of course, this has got a little bit of open water to it as well, hasn't it, in terms of its premise? Yeah, I mean, it's a short, breezy movie. Um, but as you say, it, obey, it actually obeys its own rules of found footage. Um, I, I, can't, I can't lie, I, don't, I did not like it as much as you did. But I found it fine. Um, it's the trouble is this. It, it it for me didn't do anything new. It just no. did what you, what I would expect from a shark cage found footage movie. Um, yeah, 
it 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 was adequate. Um, <laughs> did did you like the characters at all though? No, I mean, did, no. Okay. No. Well, I I, I sort <laughs> I, I sort of did to begin with. I was kind of I was mostly with them, um, and then there's a there's an event which happens in the movie, and then I just wanted them to die. Nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it is very well done. Uh, but yeah, it's just after that, I was just like, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it's obviously deliberate. Um, the trouble is, it don't, for, for me, I much prefer open water to this. Yeah. Um, I prefer a drift to this, um, which again has that sort of thing of, of, of rich people being uh you know sort of idiots. rich entitled young folks being idiots and then yeah. getting getting in, in a bad place um it's it i think it suffers from not from them for it not they're not being real sharks mm-hmm. um to be you know that's because i mean not not that they're not that this is full of appalling cgi and generally the sharks are kept off screen right mm-hmm but it's just it just it never feels it never really felt real real to me, which rather undercuts the found footage thing mm-hmm. you know it's not it's too pretty to to re- to read as like a real like this actually happened you know some of the some of the sort of shot for t v stuff you know the sort of faux documentary that works quite well mm-hmm. um but when they're actually on the trip and I mean, you know, there's a nice bit of there's a nice bit of a, a potential love triangle thing, yeah. Uh, so, which is which is predictable, but it works out okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things that strikes me now with with found footage films, and just the fact of of what we have now as technology in the world is, you you know. Cameras are now so good that found footage stuff that looks bad kind of is almost like not realistic anymore, if that makes sense. Whereas before, found footage was about it being a bit ropey because it was a, you know, because the technology wasn't quite there. I see what you mean, but I just mean in terms of like, if you if you point a camcorder at a shark in a water, it looks different. Than this movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. 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 Um, and I could have done without. I mean, some of the sort of surrounding documentary stuff, I could have probably could have done without. You know, the the guy being interviewed explaining how he found the camera with the thing. <laughs> could have you not just put a card up on screen and get to the point? You know. Yeah. Uh, Although this didn't. This like, didn't. It, the film. I don't know. For me, it didn't feel like a long, drawn out film. Though actually, the pacing of it. No, no, no. I mean, good. no. It was. It was. Yeah, like I say, it was well. It was fairly well done. It's just that, that was the one point where I just kind of rolled my eyes and yeah, thought, yeah. Oh, fuck. It was nothing new. Yeah. I, I, I'll absolutely agree with that. It, it was nothing new at all. But it, I thought it was quite a nice way to start the day off. I was kind of like, uh, yeah, it was fine. It, it, was, it woke me up. It, it was. It was <laughs> a, a a bloody palate cleanser. There you say. go. There you go. So next up was um, fashionista. Yeah, and uh, again we had a. Uh, uh, Q&A with the writer-director Simon Rumley, who's mm-hmm. a veteran of Fright Fest, um, probably best known for uh, 
for for work like Red, White, and Blue, or his debut or his powerful kind of debut movie, which is a fright fest film, uh, The Living and the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with his last couple of things, certainly, um, or maybe last three projects, he's been sort of working out. I think of Austin and sort of involved in that sort of indie horror scene out there. Yes. Um, and this, yeah, this kind of follows on from that. I mean, it's and the film is sort of finishes with a fa- with a thank you in the credits to Nick Rogue, mm-hmm. um, you know, director of, of films like Bad Timing, Don't Look Now, you know, co-director of Performance, um, and you can see that in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 massively, um, uh, yeah, you know. Homaging and and stylized after those sort of films in in terms of its look and its and its feel, um, thematically I actually like this a lot in terms of what it was saying. Um, my only thing was I kind of, I again this was a yet another film that to me felt a bit laboured because again I know we're not giving spoilers here but. I kind of got what was going on very early on, yet the film seemed to go on an awful lot to me. But uh, I don't know whether whether you know you think that's fair or not. But um, I I I I found it a tad indulgent, self indulgent. Um, although maybe we should say what it's about. Oh yeah, well okay, sorry. You go for it. <laughs> um, it's. Initially, at least, it's focused on a sort of uh, a married couple who are running a, a, a sort of small business uh, dealing in vintage fashions. Uh, but particularly, it's about the about the wife who is uh, is our central character, and she is literally addicted to fashion. Um, she gets uh, seems to get like a visceral thrill out of just changing into new outfits, finding different fabrics. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a tactile buzz that re- reflected in you know in the in the sounds as well as you know visually, um, and yeah, and and there's a growing jealousy at the heart of this sort of relationship, uh, with, with like you know, with the the husband perhaps straying, mm. you know. Uh, well, I mean, it, it it's very much about self-image and self-esteem and um, mental health really with this whole thing I mean it is very it, it's very rich in, in it in its color and its textures like you said in terms of the amount the sheer amount of clothing that's in this um, but also you know the surroundings as well um, and, and you know does very much focus on that world um, I found it quite interesting because I'd, I'd literally a week before going on this, I'd, I'd seen a, um, a documentary called The Minimalists, um, which is about, you know, how much stuff do we really need and how many items of clothing do we really need? And, and, and you, you know, can, can we get by with just 33 items of clothing and, 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 and you know, things of that nature. So I found this quite an interesting um, sort of uh uh, juxtaposed to that whole idea and um, you could tell that uh, especially when he was interviewed afterwards that that, that you, you know that was very much at the heart of this as well um, you know this whole thing about the 
the amount of materialism um, and how that equates to uh, you know body image and self image and 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 you know self esteem and I, I thought I thought it hit all of that stuff really well you know I just thought that it laboured it slightly but um, I mean yeah. I, I I like this more than you do this I think I think this might be my favourite film of the directors that I've seen um, uh, for me what you read as label I, I read it as it being a very it being a 70s paced type movie yeah. uh, and I didn't have a problem with that um, because, I mean I, I, I did I see where it was going probably but at least mainly I did um, but because it is sort of elliptical and sort of chopped up and we did we don't we only get bits and pieces of information yes Uh and they all we get stuff in different order, and then we gradually piece together what we're seeing. Yeah, no, I mean um, it is an interesting narrative. And yeah. Appa- apparently, that was th- that was one of the questions that he was asked in the Q and A was whether the actual um, chronology of the film um, was something that came out of the post production, the editing process, or whether it was something that was that was on the page from the start and. You know that was always his intention, so it was very, very finely crafted. I would say in terms of yeah, of no, and and it absolutely works. I mean, you know, I mean, we talked about Nick Rogue already, but I mean the 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 thing it reminded me most of was with uh, David Lynch and mm-hmm. and particularly like Lost Highway. Yes, yes, um, yeah. I mean. And I I I I thought the ending worked very well, and I could totally see what what was going on there. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> the living and the dead, it, and and also red, white, and blue certainly uh, all delve into sort of matters of mental health, and mm-hmm. it's it's really refreshing to see horror movies that deal with that subject in a non-exploitative way. Yes, you know. Yeah. Uh, much, much though I like, I like a good slasher movie about mm-hmm. a psycho killer or whatever. It's a lot. Of, uh, some of those movies certainly uh, deal with unhelp, uh, un- unhelpful sort of portrayals of people who are mentally ill. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, th- this was much more psychological. And, and don't get me wrong, even though I, I think it was, it was a tad self-indulgent and a tad laboured in places. Um, I also, you know, really respected that it was finely crafted and it looked beautiful um, and, you know, it was effective. It was an effective film, that was for sure. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, I I certainly didn't... I didn't... I enjoyed it. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy it, um, but I just didn't think it was quite perfect either but but what is right <laughs> so but it was it was enjoyable yes absolutely okay. so well worth checking out we can't really say any more about it without you know massive spoilers so um yeah i mean it, it's uh, it, yeah and it's a very rich film you can certainly dig into the way it's designed the way you know or you know, talk more about the performances. We haven't really mm. talked about the acting in it, but it's very well acted. It's well acted, and and you do get, you know, that they, they did get a lot of bang for their buck in terms of, um, uh, yeah, like you said, the look of this film, and 
yeah, it was very rich with that sort of thing. So, and, and a very good performance. Very good performances. Yeah. So. Okay, which, uh, which takes us to Bloodlands. Yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> regular listeners to this podcast may remember that uh, we recorded a Fright Fest Movie Heaven Movie Hell special. Uh, which I was lucky enough to appear on with uh, Simon and Keith, as was uh, Mr. Mike Tack, yes. filmmaker. Shout out to Mike Tack. Shout out to Mike. He'll be uh, listening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and on that podcast, if I remember rightly, Mike picked for his movie Heaven uh, a film called The Horseman. Yes, he did, and and, and rightly so. A very enjoyable um, revenge film, from what I remember. Yeah, uh, sort of a bloody revenge uh, horror from Australia, and. This film, Bloodlands, is the follow-up from Stephen uh, Castricios. Uh, um, yeah, only this this is an Albanian movie. Yes, because uh, he has some uh, he's, he, he's has some Greek ancestry, and there was a time with a friend, and there was an opportunity to make a movie in Albania uh, that's tapped into their uh, their folklore as well as uh, the the blood feuds that apparently still go on in parts of the country there. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was it was uh, something that tapped into that culture. And, um, uh, yeah, was was something quite different. Um, I know this is one that certainly divided uh, some of the audience. Uh, I know a lot of people that really didn't didn't enjoy this one. Um, I... I thought it was okay. I, I didn't have a problem with it. It was a little dull, perhaps. I, I don't think it was as strong as his other piece of work that we've already mentioned. But, um, yeah. What did you think? I... It, it, it was... A lot of it was like a uh, sort of kitchen sink drama about a family in Albania uh, trying to make ends meet with their failing butchery business and the uh, daughter wanting to leave home and make her own way in the world and the son trying to find his way. Um, Which was actually kind of the best part of it, I thought. I mean, and it was well, <laughs> and that was well done. It was well acted. It just felt, you know, it, it's, un, it, I guess, in a way, it's unhelpful that it's programmed at Fright Fest in a way for, for a movie like this because you're sort of... <laughs> you, I, okay, the, the risk is sounding like a complete like sort of uh, blood fiend or gore hand or whatever. You're, you're waiting for the horror to kick in, in the horror movie, right? Um, and it's unfair because not all horror movies are the same. Some are uh, very psychological, like Fashionista. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was seemed to be building up to like a big sort of thing of violence. Well, I say that, it sort of meandered around, did its own thing, and then eventually stumbled into this blood feud plot. Um, and there, there's there's a lot of stuff about a witch. Um, yeah, because it was trying to be quite spooky, I think, in places, wasn't it? Whether or not it yeah, necessarily I mean, uh, succeeded. I mean, it, had, it was quite a handsome-looking movie. Um, it, it, it didn't... Uh, it didn't Hundred percent grabbed me. I mean, you know, they had a Q and A, and again, um, it was it was a lot more interesting hearing about making movies in Albania than it was actually watching this particular one for me. 
even though it's not it's not a bad film it's just not it, it just didn't really grab me and I have to say if you are a fan of the horseman it's not it's very much it's very much not that movie yeah um it's not you know tonally uh, well and I mean it's in Albanian uh, yeah. for one but um yeah it just uh, you know kudos for for doing something different um you know it, it uh, that's kind of what kept me going because the, the characters are interesting and likable uh well for the most part and it and it, and it was you know it did feel fresh because of the because uh, guess you know exoticism of that sort of new setting that I hadn't seen yeah but, I mean it was a little bit of an awkward Q&A to be honest because um, obviously the director and the producer spoke quite a bit about this but they did actually have quite a few of the Albanian cast members present and I don't think uh, they were asked one question <laughs> so... no I felt bad I, I almost I, I almost wanted to ask ask a question but it, uh, but it was just to sort of give them something to say but it, you know, it, we had so little time in between films. I wanted the Q and A to end by the end of it. So I'm sorry to say, but yeah, uh, no, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, but no, absolutely. Um, you know, Screen Australia, uh, I guess, put some money into this, and uh, they definitely, you know, tried something different with this one. As did the director. So yeah, yeah. very good. Um, so next up was Detour. Yeah, Detour twenty. Uh, you know, uh, not to be confused with the film noir classic, um, which indeed it <laughs> references at one point. It does, but really, the the only that's the only similarity is that they both deal in a sort of noirish type narrative, or it seems that they do. Um, and yeah, and although, they share a although, title. although very uh, although very colourful for something so noirish. <laughs> well, it's it's that neo noir thing, yes. isn't it? You know, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, this was enjoyable. I thought this was kind of fun. Writer, director Christopher Smith, um, you know, again, always entertaining. Very, very much to, uh, a filmmaker associated with Fright Fest. Um, you know, director of uh, yeah, Severance, Creep, Black Death, and more most triangle. pertinently Triangle, mm. which this. I mean, he he talks about how this was almost like a he wrote it a few years ago and it was almost a reaction to triangle which is a very which is a very serious and elliptical film and absolutely brilliant i think um, um are we talking triangle sorry or or this uh, I, i'm i'm getting to oh sorry um you know whereas this uh, this is mu- uh, this is much lighter in tone um and uh, and obviously slides into a different genre and it does it's difficult to set it up, isn't it, without spoiling it? Um, but essentially, you have you have a young uh, college guy, uh, uh, and his 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 mother is sort of is ill and about to die in hospital, and his stepfather is estranged from and believes that he's plotting against him, um, and then it, you get into a kind of strangers strangers on a train sort mm-hmm. of setup. Which then goes into, which then becomes a kind of split narrative, as you know, does he go through with a plot to try and get rid of his uh, his stepfather, 
or you know who he thinks is is cheating on his mom and and is trying to sort of get get his inheritance, um, or does he not do that? And then and we follow sort of we follow these parallel narratives, and then yeah, it doesn't quite play out the way you think it is. Hmm. It's going to, does it? No, absolutely. I thought it was I mean, really good. It was very interesting. I definitely like the sort of playing with the narrative uh, of this. Um, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as Triangle. I think Triangle had. I had I, I'd agree. Slightly. I'd agree with that. That Triangle was a better movie. Um, I thought this is this is a very this is a fun film. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, 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 I think he even said in the Q and A the idea was for this to be a bit more fun than Triangle, and I and I think it was fr- from that point of view. Um, but you know, you know, very 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 stylized, very colourful. Um, and uh yeah interesting play with the narrative um and yeah we can't really say much more without giving it away but it, it it's certainly an enjoyable film and it's got uh um you, you know sort of an interesting up and coming cast in it as well so um you, you know um w- worth a watch i would say yeah and it's always good to see john lynch yes uh, popping up and doing a bit of character work and yeah, it's sort of it's it's almost the throwback to those sort of movies, um, those those nineties neo noir movies or something like Oliver Stone's U Turn. Yes, you know this sort of you know character, uh, sort of previously upright character who gets sucked into a sort of criminal underworld and uh, yeah, can't get out. Mm. Well, or makes choices that that irrevocably sort of. But anyway, but anyway, we we better not say any more, had we? No, we hadn't. So, um, when before the next film came up, we actually had a we had a little bit of a preview as well, didn't we? Before the the next film, was that right? Was it before this one? I think I it was. I think so. Uh, it, it was. It, yeah, I think I think it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Dominic Brunt, who some people will know as as a lead actor on, on in Soap Emmerdale. But uh, horror fans will know him as the uh, director of uh, Before Dawn and Bait, uh, both of which uh, appeared in Fright Fest first. And he gave us a little preview of his new uh, uh, horror movie, Adult Babies. Yes, which looked rather interesting, didn't it? <laughs> it, it, it looks it looks fun, OTT, and uh, it looks like it's got a bit of a sort of satire thing going on in sort of in the vein of um those uh, it's wealthy individuals yeah <laughs> well i was gonna I, I was gonna compare it to to something like um uh house of mortal sin or something like that uh like those 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 movie script like they uh, that david mcglivray wrote uh, where it's sort of sort of going after sort of the establishment and pointing out their their hypocrisy, um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, but and it's really it, it looks like it's, it's full of gore and sort of fun and craziness, all sorts and, of bodily and fluids, men in nappies. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, and of course, uh, you know, sexy nurses. Let's not forget that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Better than men in nappies, sexy nurse. Well, whatever turns you on, Clive. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, um, on to Raw. Yes, which was the, 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 the main feature with this one. Um, yeah, Raw. Interesting film. <laughs> this, I have to say, I'd heard a lot of buzz about this. Uh, this is the film I was looking forward to seeing most at Glasgow Fright Fest. Um, this, the uh, debut film from uh, uh, French writer-director writer uh, Julia uh, du Ducournau, I think I'm... I, I think you pronounced that right. Vaguely pronouncing yeah, well that right. done. Um, and yeah, it's a coming of age story set, uh, you know, which focuses on two sisters uh, who are students in this veterinary college. Yeah. Um, and, and and initially, the sort of bizarre sort of rituals that they go through to, in, you know, when they're initiated into their. Fraternity. fraternity strokes sorority, which seems to be combined in the uh, over in France, in the, the French veterinary world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and 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 then strange things start to happen, and um, yeah, our, our heroine yes. develops a, a taste for human flesh. Yes, our, our uh, vegetarian <laughs> heroine, as as it's initially set up. Um, so yeah, yeah. This was, this was. I, I heard, um, I heard rumors before this one as well that uh, this was a film that um, would actually make people feel physically sick, etc. And uh, there were definitely some sort of cringeworthy body horror moments in it, weren't there? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's full of body horror. It's it's uh, it, it's it's quite it's it's a pretty visceral movie. Um, it it has that European thing of being unabashed about its sexuality, uh, and pretty equal opportunity in terms of male and female nudity, which yep. is good to see. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, it's initially it seems to be as much sex as there is horror, because it is about you know the our lead heroine sort of trying to sort of. I guess you know find a place there, you know, and part of that is, you know, big, you know, being attracted to, uh, to, uh, to guys and you mm -hmm. know trying to get get something going, as as well as, as you know, being successful as a as a student, you know, so yeah. wanting wanting uh, uh, wanting her personal life to develop. Yeah, I mean, it definitely had the exploitation aspects, but. Um... Uh, but like you said, it was handled kind of on an equal footing, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it generally had a sort of kind of nasty, disturbing feel to it, which is exactly what you'd um, you'd expect from this. I mean, it 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 was right to be in a horror um, festival, and I was quite surprised because this was actually a you know the security was very tight around this one because this was uh, actually a a universal release and we were saying how we were quite surprised that universal had um had, had picked this up as such because it's got more that sort of foreign art housey type feel to it hasn't it you know it has but i mean it, it does feel very new and fresh yeah. you know and it and it does have those moments that are generally memorable about this movie i mean i really enjoyed this i did yeah um yeah. It, it, if i was going to compare it to something i'd compare it to say ginger snaps Right. In yes. terms of you've got the, the two sisters at the centre of it, you've got the coming of age 
uh, thing, and you know, yeah, but only it has such a different sensibility being European, and the the setting is almost sort of Cronenbergian mm-hmm. or early early Cronenberg or you know, almost all like something like Kingdom Hospital, you know, this sort of weirdly surreal yeah. uh, place where, you know, it doesn't feel strange that, that some, that, you know, this, that these, these deaths or cannib- cannibalistic things that start happening because it just seems like a, pa- a part of, of the general strangeness going on there. Um, I mean, yeah. And there, there is, there is some nice sort of reveals and, Sort of truly, truly shocking moments. I, I, I didn't find. I don't necessarily find it a scare. It's interesting. It's different types of horror, right? I, didn't, I personally I didn't find it a scary movie, but I found it horrifying, mm, uh, disturbing, and, and, and yeah, and you know, yeah, yeah, disturbing is a good word. Mm. Yeah, that was very disturbing, and and it worked, and. Uh, Again, I think most people like this one because they wanted to see some some blood and gore and, uh, you know, this delivered on that. So, uh, okay, so the penultimate film of the festival, Hounds of Love. Yeah, uh, this is uh, uh, another debut movie, uh, from right, this time from writer-director Ben Young, an Australian movie, and... Was this actually based on a true story, or is it just sort of? Uh, I'm well. I'm not sure. I mean, they set up like it is, but yeah. uh, it, it seems to be. It seemed to be sort of based around true life cases without being. It's a, It's this actually happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have. I mean, it, it's a, it's a story essentially of a. Of a couple who seemingly normal suburban couple um, living out in the suburbs, um, and only uh, he's a he's a paedophile, mm-hmm. and she is so in love with him that she helps him uh, get uh, get young girls, bring them back, and hold them and torture them. Yeah, it is a, it is a very tough film to watch it's very grim but it's also a brilliant piece of cinema i think mm. no i agree i mean it's 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 one of those um uh you know they they capture the era very well um, yeah it's is it 80s it's set or it's late 80s i think yeah. wasn't it yeah um and uh you're right it's very grim um but it, it it's got this it feels very realistic um but also you've kind of got this thing where they, they, they've been very clever with, with picking music choices to go with the film. Yes, um, they have. There, there, are, there are two in particular that really stay with you and you they're well-known bits, pieces of music. Well, let's, I don't, let's not spoil the surprise. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it's, you know, it it could have they been on their the nose. Scenes. I mean, there's also. I mean, there's. It's it's interesting because a lot of it is very naturalistic, but then there's other things which are so heightened. There's a, there's a lot of use. Ben Young uses a lot of slow mo, um, 
which is in this case is very much associated with the killer's uh, killer stroke abusers POV of how he views these young women, mm-hmm. um, and you know so that and that's set up early on so that then as the film goes on, the moment you start to see things in slow motion, you almost feel a bit queasy inside because you know something bad's about to happen. Yeah. Well, it's very um, effective. Yeah, it's it, it's you know tasteful in terms of what we what we see on screen. I think I don't mm-hmm. think it crosses a line, no. but it's still brutal and tough film to take. And I, I know there were certain people afterwards who were discussing it and who who, who had children and couldn't couldn't take the film. You know, yeah. they, it, it was too much for them. Yeah, even though, like you said, it is a lot of it is very implied. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pr- pretty pretty nasty, pretty disturbing. Have to say, some really good performances in this. Oh my god, yeah. Um, I mean, if it, you know, if, if I had to give a best actress award out for all the films he saw, I would give it to Emma Booth as Evelyn. Yeah. The uh, the, the the wife of the sort of main couple, one of the Hounds of Love, I guess the title. I mean, she's incredible in that film. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, no, it is. It's very good. Very good performances in this. Um, as I said, very chilling, um, and yeah, definitely fits the the true genre of horror for sure. Um, and it's it's weird because it does it does get that balance between visceral and realistic, but stylized as well. It gets it gets sort of both in there so it's it's quite interesting um, yeah it's weird because there's some bits which are oddly beautiful you know even though it's really sick and disturbing mm. uh, you know what's going on so it's yeah it's but it's definitely like a really impressive you know that and raw are both very impressive debut mm. movies they're you know they're no, both, I agree because they're both very impressive movies yes full stop so yeah no, absolutely <laughs> which brings us on to the last film of the festival um the night of the virgin hmm. yeah a spanish movie uh we had uh, i think most of the uh, the sort of key creators behind this were there uh director roberto san sebastian and i think the writer guillermo uh, guerrero was there as well um yeah and their their introduction was very entertaining, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and it and what also was also entertaining was that the director was essentially provi- providing his own commentary to the film by shouting out things at certain points of the film, yeah. like this actually happened to me, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah, just sort of it, like enjoying watching the film. Indeed, it had been a long day, and there had been quite a lot of. Uh alcohol consumed by this point i'm guessing but yes perhaps i mean basically uh night of the virgin is a very bad taste horror comedy uh which has all the fluids in it yeah yeah um and centers around a kind of spanish mr bean (laughs) well it's you know you got the you got this sort of the central character is a virgin a a young uh, sort of geeky um male at a, a new at a sort of new year's party all on his own trying to trying to get laid 
you know, it's a sort of it's it starts off. It could be like you know, like an it could be Porky's or some sort of eighties uh, sex comedy. Um, so it starts off like this, and then uh, you know, much. Uh, actually, the funniest bit is is like this sort of send up of like um, New Year's Eve television that they that starts the film where where you have this sort of two Spanish presenters, uh, and the, and it, and it's. As with most films in this film, sadly, it sort of drags on a bit too long. Oh. Um, but uh, but you know this whole bit about trying to fill the time before the bells ring and it's the new year and just talking rubbish and then yeah uh, and, yeah. and it's, it's it's just sort of amusing. Yeah, I mean it was it was amusing to a point. I I have to say, uh, you, you know, my hats off to the guys for getting this made. With you know they said they 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 made it self-funded because nobody wanted to make this film um that they approached uh and well you know i i it wasn't my thing at all i really didn't didn't particularly like it it was way too long this was this was two hours long this film and i actually fell asleep for because it was very late by now i fell asleep for about half an hour of it but woke up and knew exactly what what i was going going on and i felt like i didn't miss a thing but uh but yeah it really was kind of a very nasty puerile film <laughs> yeah so essentially the version of the title he 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 uh, he meets a a lady at the who uh, is a more mature lady in a in her 40s i guess um, yeah and uh, she takes him back to her place um and he thinks oh great this is fantastic but then it's it gets more and more strange and she has a thing uh where she seems to be obsessed with uh ne nepalese uh, uh well uh, mythology i don't know whether it's actually there's any real mythology involved in this but it, it, anyway she wants uh she, she wants his seed essentially <laughs> uh to in order to uh to to bring forth the goddess in uh, in human form um it's it, it you know which unfortunately i think probably makes it sound more fun than it actually is uh i mean you know th there's lots of sort of you know ejaculate and and poo and i mean we uh, literally get all the bodily fluids yeah, in this and, and we and, see way more than but, we need you know to no, well. most of the film takes place in her apartment which he can't leave uh after a while and you get there's a jealous boyfriend. There's supernatural things going on. There's her getting increasingly unhinged, um, and it, you know. But it rather does flatline in the middle of the, of the film, and just sort of, <laughs> and just sort of, you get the same things over and over again in slightly different iterations, and it's too long. Yeah, it's too long, and yeah, it you've got to be pretty uh, pretty. Well, high stroke chunk, uh, stroke, you know, infantile to to get a lot out of this movie. Yeah. I mean, if I had to give it one sort of thumbs up, it would be that the lead actress Miriam Martin, or Martin, uh, is is clearly like a veteran of TV and has done like, you know, absolutely what a trooper. She absolutely commits this role as sort of this sort of crazy. Um, uh, what would you call her, high priestess, uh, and 
just sort of plays, but plays it with an absolute straight back. Everyone else in the film is mugging and being OTT, and she's absolutely sort of grounds it and keeps you yeah, keeps the true. film watchable. That's true. And, and bear in mind, she's covered with the most most amounts of sort of of grew, you know, especially in the in the final act, mm. you know, uh, uh, you know, and you're like hats off because she mm. yeah, she sort of deserves a medal for for sort of you know you know absolutely sort of you know giving her best no matter what was going on yeah right? absolutely absolutely so that 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 brought us all to a close so clive if you had to pick movie heaven movie hell from this glasgow 2017 fright fest what would be your picks uh my pick for heaven um would be hounds of love Mm-hmm. Um, although heaven makes it sound like it's like a wonderful thing, right? Well, <laughs> Hands of Love is a really tough m- movie to watch, um, but yeah, it's yeah, I think it's it's a it's it's brilliant. So that would be my heaven. What would be your heaven? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm kind of with you there. Mine is a sort of a, a, a I'm torn between Hounds of Love and the Transfiguration. Actually, so um, maybe I'll say the Transfiguration in this. Just because I think, um, you know, it it really works for what it is. And um, it, it took me by surprise. It was something different to what I was expecting. Um, so I would go for that as my movie heaven. What about movie hell? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, why don't you go first? On well, I, I don't think there's any uh, surprise here. My, my movie hell by a long shot was Night of the Virgin. I really wished I hadn't bothered. I wish I'd got a few more hours sleep and just not bothered. Well, you did. Uh, oh, you missed the bit. best bit though, Keith, where you fell asleep for half an hour and all this great stuff. No, yeah, it no. really didn't happen. I just, I just thought this was a nasty, horrible little movie. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, as I said, hats off to the guys for getting it made and, and having it screened at Fright Fest. Um, you know, I'm always impressed with that. But um, for me, this really wasn't my cup of tea at all. It just didn't work for me. So that's my hell. What about you? Um, well, Night of the Virgin was the worst movie of the festival. Uh, there's no question there. But as you've already picked that, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. I mean, I didn't really enjoy Happy Hunting that much, but I, I but I, I'd say a cure for wellness is my hell. Interesting. Because it's so long. God, yeah. it's so long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so long, and you know, you know. Man, just get th- some therapy about the eels or something, because it's well, yeah. Indeed, it's a shame because there's good stuff in there, and I, I guess I'm perhaps I'm being a slightly a contrarian there, you know. But it's yeah, I've got two two and a half hours. Yeah, no, it was it was long. I agree. Um, we also we had some news about uh, London Fright Fest as well that. Um, Apparently, it's going to go be going back to the well, what used to be the Empire Leicester Square, which is now the City World Leicester Square. And how, how do you feel about that? I feel fine about it. Um, it, it I'm glad that we're all, there's going to be one main screen, as I understand it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, spilling it into three always felt a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, I guess it sort of remains to be seen how it's actually going to work. Uh, now, it's not the 
you know, it's it's not it's not the thing anymore. I actually enjoyed it when it was in uh, out in the wilds of Shepherd's Bush, uh, although there were some hairy moments there. Um, but uh, yeah, but it'd be good to get it back to Leicester Square, I think. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, I spoke to Mike, and I know he's going to be going for sure. Um, this year I don't know jury's still out on whether Simon's going to be going so uh, uh, I will be asking him but uh, yeah so there you go something a bit different to news about the uh, the Oscars at least we we bought you something on Fright Fest so Clive um, where can people find your work well if you go into Vimeo and search for Clive Ashenden uh, you'll find some of my later shorts Cool. And um, if you want to see any of my work, if you go to YouTube and put in British Isles, spelled E-Y-L-E-S, um, there are some short films that I've made on there. Um, also, for, for Simon Aitken's work, if you go to Independent Runnings, uh, you can find information um, about the feature he's currently working on, as well as the uh, previously made short films and how to find his other feature on there. And uh, you can find this podcast if you go to iTunes and put in Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, um, as well as any other social media and um, podcast streaming sites. Yeah, it's also on Stitcher and YouTube. And uh, please do go and uh, if you enjoyed this and you uh, and you enjoy Simon and Keith's uh, podcast, then do go and give them a rating because it does help people to find the podcast. Absolutely. And and thank you, Clive, for that. And uh, yeah, please, uh, please also check out other episodes um, that we've got on there. If, if, if this has been of interest, we have, as Clive mentioned, uh, covered various Fright Fest festivals before. Um, and we, you know, it just leaves me to say thank you, Clive, for uh, for for co-hosting this and, and, and giving us your thoughts on uh, Glasgow's Fright Fest. Really, really appreciate you. Uh, you know, coming on board with us. And um, thank you for listening. And please join us for the next regular episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.